Mary. This is Hey Beautiful, the podcast where we binge and recap every episode of How I Met Your Mother. No spoilers. So suit up, grab a sandwich, and settle in. Good morning, Caitlin. Good morning, Kate. <laughs> How are you? Tired. I get up so early today. Oh my, my god, I know. Oh. Summer is tough for us guys so that's why we're a little late but good things come to those who wait good things do come to those who wait uh i mean the biggest the big we'll get to the biggest thing in just a second but first of all thank you to everybody who came to our subway wars live watch a little while ago um and congratulations to the two people who won copies of carter Bay's new book the mutual friend i have to mail those out but they're coming um, so thanks for that. We'll definitely do another uh, live watch later this year because it's always a good They're time. Always fun, yeah. Um, but we're going to keep it tight today because this is going to be a very long episode, mostly because Caitlin and I interviewed Carter Bays. And so, uh, I mean, there isn't really much to say, but... I'm going to put ha- the first half of the interview in this episode, um, and then the second half will be in next episode, the Architect of, of Destruction. Um, we were only supposed to talk to him for like a half hour or so, and it went for, I think, an hour and 15, yeah. and it was and it was just like, Incredible. he was the one that kept being like, I'm sorry if I'm going too long. We're like, no, 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 please, please. God. Please. Don't apologize. Tell us everything. Um, And he had so much cool stuff to say about season six in specific, in particular, Um, like why it happened, why it is the way it is, Mm -hmm. the structure, the meaning behind it. So lots of cool stuff and tons of talk about his new book, which Caitlin and I both burned through before the interview. And it's it's so good. It's so good. Um, so yeah, so that'll be halfway through this episode. I don't think there's anything else for us to really chat about. Um, oh, the only thing is, if you're on Patreon, if you're one of our Patreon pals, we're going to drop the full interview standalone that you can watch or listen to at any time because we were on camera with him. I still can't believe that it happened. I know, right in your house too. I know. Right there, right where we were sitting. Um, so stay tuned at the end of this episode for 11 legendary moments for listeners like you. And now let's get into Subway Wars. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon pals, especially our almighty five level members, Adam, Tish, and Johnny. Our Patreon family has over 70 members and counting, and our sliding scale means no matter what you can afford, you enjoy all the perks we offer. That means early access to every episode we make, private live streams with us, exclusive recaps of How I Met Your Father, and our full-length interview with Carter Bays, plus more. So join for as little as $2 a month at patreon.com slash heybeautifulpod. So this is season six, episode four, Subway Wars. It first aired on October 11th. It first aired on October 11th, 2010. Our writer is one of our faves, Chris Harris, and the director is Pam Fryman. So this is 
a great cold open. It sets up the whole episode. First, we get Barney, who's staring at a girl at the bar who's been crying. Um, Lily ends up giving him a timeout because he's not being considerate. He actually just wants to bang the sad, defenseless girl. Um, but it turns out that one of Marshall's friends is downtown at a restaurant and he just saw Woody Allen. Um, and if you know anything about New York, Woody Allen, first of all, is a scumbag, but also <laughs> we just have to get that out of the way. He, he is like a, a fixture in New York. So, um, if you've been to New York any amount of times, or if you've lived there, you have probably seen him. I've seen him. I don't know if you have. No, I never have. In your times there. Okay. Nope. I saw him like from a bus, like he was filming a movie. Um, mm. And it seemed cool at the time, but now when you know You're what you like, know Ew. about him, it's like woof, gross. Um, so yeah, so it turns out everyone's really over it. No one really cares about the fact that this guy is uh, seeing Woody Allen, except for Robin, who hasn't seen him yet. But she has seen Maury Povich. <laughs> Which I think is so funny. Um, I've never seen Maury Povich in New York. Same. But apparently he's also everywhere. And they decide that Robin isn't a a real New Yorker until she's seen Woody Allen. um, And she's pissed about that. But they also have other qualifications. So uh, you're not a real New Yorker unless you've stolen a cab from someone who needed it more than you, cried on the subway and not given a damn, uh, and killed a cockroach with your bare hand. Ooh. So we're setting up all of these these tasks for the mm-hmm. for the episode. And then on top of that, this other mission unfolds of what's the fastest way to the steakhouse, and it becomes this competition, this race, mm-hmm. cab, subway, bus, running, running. <laughs> Marshall, uh, or Barney's fifth mystery way that we don't know yet. Um, yeah. And then we're off and it's a very conceptual episode. It doesn't really have scenes as we know, right, Caitlin? So basically what I've done, I don't know what your notes look like because mine were like all over the place and then I've reorganized them. Um, I have them like by person until they all start to converge. I did like, there's a couple times, like maybe it was Ted and then they went to Marshall, then back to Ted. So I tried to do all of Ted in one thing. Yes, I don't have it all, all together together, but okay. I can fill in because it's kind of not simple, yeah. but like, like you said, it's not, I was reading one of the things that Barney said this was, or Neil Patrick Harris had said that this was probably one of the episodes with the most scenes, but there wasn't Mm. a lot of dialogue. So it's not Mm -hmm. like there's, you know, I can. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Yeah. It's little dialogue. It's a lot of action, which is cool. Um, Yeah. So take it away with whoever you want to start with. (laughs) Okay. Well, I love how we get throughout the episode, like the map of the city and we get all their faces. And I love how the faces change depending on what's going on too. Like when Robin's screaming, like it goes back to that face. Um, And I love the dramatic music that we hear. It's like almost like a Marvel movie or like game of Thrones or like, just like very intense, like battle music almost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, um, also, throughout the episode, too, just to kind of set it up, um, future Ted goes through everybody and kind of goes, you know, just explains why everyone needed to win this particular challenge because everyone was kind of like going through something with the exception of Barney. So that's kind of how we start off with um, future Ted telling us why Lily needs this particular win. So we know Lily says, you know, she's the only one who is a true 
like born and bred New Yorker. Right, right. You know, and as we they find- don't talk about that very much. No, which is really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like they would have like given that she is a native New Yorker, maybe explored that a little bit more. But I guess it's it's Ted's story. Yeah, and I guess they do through like the fact that she can speak conductor, right? Like which, that's I think how we know. Yeah. Which cracks me up because you get this like the conductor. And if you've been on a subway in New York City, like or on the subway, um, it's really hard to hear what those announcements are, which I'm glad now they have a lot of like the LED kind of like text. Oh, good. Like, That's but, good. Or like, I love the light, the, the subway. There's a couple lines that have the subway map with like the lights. So you know exactly Ooh, where you're yes. going. I need those kinds of things. Yeah, same. Um, But as we know, Marshall and Lily have been trying to start a, a family and um, Lily kind of needs this win as future Ted tells us because it's not been as easy as she thought. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of have been struggling, you know, they've been trying for two months, which if you've tried to have a baby is not a long time because the window of like when you can get pregnant is so small. So small. You get like, well, for, for me, it's like one shot a, a month. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's not as easy as she's think as she had thought it was going to be. And especially because Marshall's an Erickson and he keeps going on and on and on about how fertile Erickson men are. And so we get this little like scene where Lily's holding up a pregnancy <laughs> stick that's like ne- negative and we get like tiny Marshall and he's like well it's not me it can't be me I'm not the reason um and she's just so fed up that like she thought maybe you know maybe this win would help her feel kind of better and we get to even see how this competitive game really kind of like turns the friends against each other because they all really want this win um mm-hmm. and so like lily's like really needs this win so she makes a dramatic leap onto the subway thinking it's gonna like leave but it yeah. doesn't which makes it funny and then we get to see maury povich who's like sitting there in this like what i think is probably like a merino wool Ooh. That's, that's what i was feeling like it was probably like feel like that yeah. um and he's sitting there on the subway with his newspaper and he just like calls her an idiot um and on the subway lily gets this bad news that there is a track delay um even mm-hmm. though no one else can understand it because again like you know kate had you you mentioned that she does speak conductor and so then she decides to make the tough choice to get away but it's just like she jumps off the subway just as the train starts to move which oh, i don't know classic about new york Right? Yeah, I was going to say, like, what you're in that kind of, like, should we or shouldn't we? And then usually when you decide to do it, it ends up being the wrong choice. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, and this, like, you mentioned with the map, there's a bunch of, and now with the pregnancy test and then with Becky later on, there's, Mm -hmm. like, a lot of, like, graphic design stuff happening in this episode. Yeah. Like, it's cool. It is It's a kind of a departure. Um, So, yeah, so then we we – Smash cut over to Marshall, who of course is in his imagination, thinks he can run which is seven fun. miles, which is insane. Um, and he wants to come up with this folk song for the mission, like John Henry against the steam shovel. And we get the birth of Marshall versus the machines, versus the machines which is amazing. Have you heard um, the ballad of John Henry? Um, I played I don't know. it. So is it is it be, close? It's like kind of similar in that, like yeah. you know, goes through the things. So I was hoping it would be like the same tune and everything. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I mean, it would have been like when I was a kid, right? 
Yeah. Uh, I know the story, but I don't know if I've heard the actual song. Um, I just love his imagination. You get like the Western kind of thing with the uh, tumbleweeds and everything. And we don't really know why Marshall needs this win just yet, but there's got to be a reason he's feeling this delusional about- Beyond him just loving to win games, like beyond that. It's like we know he- trained for a marathon but he didn't run the marathon and we haven't seen him running since then so seven miles feels like a lot especially Mm -hmm. in just like jeans and flat shoes um but he starts out feeling what'd you say no i love it jeans and flat shoes it's so good yeah um but he starts out feeling pretty good. Uh, so he's, you know, talking about all the times he's beaten machines. So all the the victories he's had, um, mm-hmm. which I and the best one I think is the the Fonzarelli arm when he yes. turns the jukebox back on. So Marshall is off and running, feeling feeling great. <clears throat> I have a feeling I'm gonna sneeze. No, okay. Um, Hold for sneeze. <laughs> um. And so then we have Robin who's going to take the taxi, don't forget. And so just as she gets off, uh, gets off, ooh, as she gets off, just as she gets <laughs> to the taxi, she's cut off by Maury Povich, who tells her, sorry, he's got a thing, and just steals <laughs> the job from her, um, which is just, you know, hilarious. Um, and she is still sort of struggling to, f- do you want me to Keep with Robin or you want me to go with Yeah, yeah. Keep going with Robin. That's fine. That's what I have. All right. So then, you know, Robin's struggling to find a cab, but then she steals it from somebody who clearly definitely needs it more than her. She's got arms full of groceries um, and Robin, you know, is like, sorry, I got a thing. And then the woman launches herself onto the cab. Like <laughs> holding on, screaming, this is my cab. And then that's when we hear from future Ted about why Robin really needs this win. So we know already that she's really been going through it. She yeah. finally decided to put relationships before her job and to take things more seriously with Don, who then just fucking up and leaves and takes the job that she turned down in order to like commit to this relationship. So that's been really hard for her. But mm-hmm. then there's also new drama at work in the form of Becky, her new co-anchor, who is like the opposite of, 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 of Robin in that she is super perky. She's bubbly. She makes cookies for everybody. Everybody just fucking loves her. Um, she says things like toesies. Right. Um, and it gets to the point where even like the new like graphic design for the show is like huh. Becky's face and it goes right over Robin, like in an overlay. And so she's really struggling with that because, um, you know, just like what a blow for her self-esteem for like Don to have left. And now this co-winker's kind of like taking over. Um, and so that's been really, really challenging. Um, and so anyway, so then we cut back to like more present day and this woman's still on the hood and the cab driver does a quick stop, which then sends the woman flying. And uh, Robin then wisely decides to get out of the cab and make a run for it. <laughs> Yeah. And I think the the whole episode, I just kept feeling like there are all these like, oh, this is when you're a real New Yorker. From what I can tell, from what I know of people who live there, the hard is what makes it New York. Like her having this like struggle and mm-hmm. being like, should I even be here? I think that is a huge piece of the New York story, right? Like yeah. finding your identity and mm-hmm. it almost rejecting you, but you being like, fuck you, I'm staying is... 
is the real test of New York experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's the real New York experience. Sounds terrible. (laughs) Don't want it ever, (laughs) but good for you guys who love New York. Um, Okay. So then we have Ted who like Barney does not really need this win, right? He has, he has learned uh, about grademyteacher.net, which is like ratemyprofessor.com. Which if you go to ratemyprofessors.com, you can search for Ted Mosby. And he's five really out of five. Yep. A base on 1,029 ratings. 95% oh would God. take his class again. Level of di- difficulty is 2.8. Um, <laughs> but yeah, his uh, 828 awesome reviews, which is a number five and 41. Does he have a chili pepper? Um, let me go back. That means they're a hot they're professor. Hot. Um, I don't know that they have that on there anywhere. I'm not seeing Oh, it. they probably don't. That was, I mean, that's pretty... <laughs> Some of the things are pretty funny, like um, Econ 305 is the is the class. I think he was in the wrong class, but it was, it was so inspirational. <laughs> I dropped Econ to go to architecture. You could say that I make adjustments, go get it energized. Awesome. So it's just a bunch of him, you and fans yeah. that yeah, put that together. Cute. That's awesome. So yeah, so he's really bummed out because he got one bad review amid a, a sea of, of positive reviews. Um, one person said he was boring. And I totally get that. I mean, that's like human nature is to focus on like the one yeah, bad comment, the one right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's on the bus and it's clearly bothering him. And so he tries to, he like starts lecturing people on the bus about- Like to prove the, how good of a person. Interesting he is, Yeah. Um, so he's like lecturing them about different things in the city. And the first building he points out is the Alberta, which we remember from the Van Smoot party. Um, and later he talks about the Arcadian too, right? Like mm-hmm. that's yep. a bit later, um, which is going to play a huge part in this uh, season and is also a huge, we found out from Carter, a huge uh, symbol for the whole season as a whole. So you guys will hear about that a little bit later. Tune in and find out. Yeah. So uh, this is when the timelines kind of start to cross because the lady from the hood of Robin's cab hobbles onto the bus um, and she's (laughs) so broken down. But even, even with that, she will not sit next to Ted as he's lecturing her. And so she hobbles right off (laughs) and then he tries to uh, move his tour up to the bus driver and the bus driver brake checks him and sends him flying. So I love that. Not I a great, I love the grin that day. the bus driver has. When he <laughs> yeah. Off. So good. So good. Um, so just as Robin exits the cab, right? Marshall, mm-hmm. you see him turn the corner and we still hear him, you know, his song, that internal song, keeping him going. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It's so good. Um, and he's, but he's starting to like lose some steam. And instead of this folk song being really like, um, oh, wait, or is it Barney's first? Sorry, my bad. No, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough so episode hard. to encapsulate. So we'll go to Barney. So Barney, yeah. so, oh shit, we have to go all the way back to Barney at the steak restaurant. Yep. Okay. Thank you. So, Barney, as we know, said he um, was kind of mysterious about how he was going to get there. And so as everyone kind of leaves to go, you know, find their way to Gregor's restaurant, 
Barney just kind of strolls leisurely into this steakhouse, asks for a steak, tells them no rush. When it finally comes out, he starts to eat it and starts to like, like choke, make this like dramatic, like medical emergency kind of thing. And he starts to call Elizabeth, which I guess is a reference to Sanford and Son because um, one of the characters used to often fake heart attacks and would say Elizabeth. So anyway, so then he falls, like nobody's doing anything and he's just like, "Uh, uh, uh," very dramatic. And then he just falls. And then they call an ambulance at which point Barney then breaks the fourth wall and then like winks at the camera. And so he, that's his um, idea for how to get to Gregor's, which actually is pretty smart. If you kind of think about like take the ambulance because they're just going to blow through all the red lights. Except it's a sociopath's idea. Yes. Yeah, it (laughs) totally is. Um, And because you're going to the hospital, they're not just going to whatever. Right. Right. But so unfortunately law, the law states that they have to go to the closest hospital, not the one that Barney asks for, which is close to Gregor's steakhouse. And so he ends up going in the opposite direction. And so eventually he just like breaks out of there, makes a mysterious phone call saying he needs some help. And of course, who comes to his rescue, but Ranji. So Ranji is, um, they're on their way. They're in the cab on their way to Gregor's. And as they're driving, Barney tells Ranji to pull over and he says, Hey, toots, like need a ride. And it ends up being Robin. So Robin hops in the cab with um, with Barney. And she asks him if this is his way of apologizing for being a dick earlier. And I love he goes, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I never apologize. Of course. So it turns out at the beginning, prior to something we don't see at the beginning of the episode is um, an exchange between Barney and Robin. And she's trying to have like a serious conversation with him about how she's really been struggling because, you know, her and Barney were close and, and whatnot. And Barney is not paying attention to her. He doesn't think she's being serious. He is just staring at this other woman and he's, and gets distracted by Robin trying to talk to her. He's like, no, just carrots and peas, carrots and peas, carrots and peas. We get that little interaction where he's just trying to pretend to just like scope out this girl. Yeah. Right. And Barney, um, doesn't get it and so he's like realizes that she was serious at the bar and so he's like i'm so sorry i didn't realize like you were serious and wanted to talk but at this point robin's just pissed and she's like you know what carrots and peas and she just gets out of the cab and you can see on barney's face that he truly didn't realize she was being serious and that he really missed the cues and he does feel bad about it which yeah and I love Robin's line, this city is starting to reject me like yeah, a bad organ, organ transplant. transplant. Yeah. And because she's just like every – she, you know, just every every everything she does to try to put down roots, it just like kind of blows up in her face in a way. Yeah. And so yeah. she's really trying to figure out is this even really where she should be? Um, is this what she should be doing with her life? Really, you know, like everyone's kind of thinking of this as like a jokey kind of – challenge but for robin it's a little bit more serious and in yeah she's like really thinking about her life and weighing her options and is this what she should be doing because all the signs point to no right and it's like if she doesn't win this she's not a new yorker Mm -hmm. and that could be that this challenge could be the tipping point for her leaving yeah yep so uh so 
things are starting to heat up and fall apart, right? So Marshall is fading now mm-hmm. and he's now his song has gotten to a sad a sad uh verse about all the times he's lost to machines. Uh shout out to Spice Channel. Yes. <laughs> The I reason, just another reason I know I, I figured out I was gay mm-hmm. very young. Um, and Barney sees him starting to sort of fade on the sidewalk and jumps out after him. And then we have Ted, who's becoming the crazy person on the bus. And, you know, we get future Ted saying, if you can't spot the crazy person on the bus, you are the crazy person. And everyone cheers and gets off. And then they all run into each other halfway and they all think about maybe just calling it because obviously if they got to the halfway point at the same time, it's maybe the same distance for everybody. Uh, But there are too many people who need this win, so they all take off in different directions for the second half. And speaking of the second half or the half, I think this is a great time for us to drop in the first half of our interview with Carter Bass. So enjoy, everybody. Enjoy it. Okay, friends. When we started this podcast five years ago, we never would have dreamed we'd get the chance to interview our guest today. He's half the reason we even have a podcast Mm -hmm. and half the reason you guys are even listening to it. That's right. Joining us now is the legendary co-creator of How I Met Your Mother. And author of the new novel *Mutual Friend*, Carter Bays. Oh my God! Thank you guys. I, I I can't believe that you would think that you wouldn't be able to get like you. You are our two favorites. Like Craig and I. Oh. We love you. You're, the, you're the best. Of course, we're going to be here. Of course, of course. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, I'll be on every episode. Don't don't hold me to that. But I I, I, I probably would if, if you really asked. So. Oh my gosh. Well, we'll keep note of that for sure. For sure. File it away. Um, before we get too deep in, we do want to talk about the fact that you were kind of in our stomping grounds lately. Uh, oh yeah. So um, yeah. Well, here's the story on that, and I can tell the whole story now. Uh, Craig and I, we went to Wesleyan University. We we uh, graduated together in 1997, and um, we it was our 25th uh, reunion in Middletown, Connecticut. This this, uh, this May, and as a as, as what started as a goof and turned into a very very serious endeavor that like oh, that took over our lives, we decided to get our old band back together from from the, the college days and play a, a, a like a three hour set of all like '90s cover songs from like uh, our our time when we were in college. We put so much work into this thing, and it was a it was it was so much fun to do. And 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 the the message I'll say right up front: the lesson of this story is just enjoy the craft and don't worry about the finished product. Because we had so much fun getting it ready, and then the Friday before the before the show, uh, I uh, the show was on Saturday. I got a positive COVID test, and oh, I had to and, and I and I and I and my, I had like a sort of I'm the singer in the band. And I had like a sore throat and it was, it was devastating. It was, I can't imagine you how devastating it was. Cause we were so ready to do this. And like, I, I just couldn't, I, and, and like really like debated, like, are we at the point in this pandemic where like a guy with COVID can get up on stage and sing? And then of course, no, no, the no. In the moment you're like, eh, maybe I could, cause I really wanted to. But, uh, so instead I, uh, got a hotel in 
in coastal Connecticut because I knew that coastal Connecticut was pretty and and I knew that I needed to like hole up in one spot. Yeah. And so I holed up in one spot for uh, and like and and I I actually got one positive COVID test the whole time, uh, uh, like the second day of it. And then I was negative from then on. Like I really, it was a very, very quick one, but because I had to, uh, abide by the, the FAA suggested, you know, they say 10 days before you get back on a plane. So I was, it was supposed to be just a weekend trip to Connecticut and it turned into 10 days in coastal Connecticut. And, uh, but it was great because by like day seven, I was like, all right, I can go outside and I can like, like go like go to like an, uh, a takeout place and and yeah. order takeout. I went to Abbott's Lobster and holy smokes, that was really good. <laughs> so good. That was like it was it was worth the uh, worth the the devastation just for that. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, so I, I was in your neighborhood. I love it. Oh, oh my god, that's, you guys are in New London, is that right? Is that yeah, New London, Waterford. Waterford. Yeah. Oh, that's it's just so pretty there. It's so great. You were on the or you posted on Instagram the ferry picture, and I'm texting Kate I'm like I'm on the beach I'm watching the fairies go by I was like maybe ah. on that one. Oh wow wow yeah it's and, definitely and, one of those places that like because I've moved away I'm in Massachusetts now but yeah I I never cared about it growing up I was always like oh I can't wait to get out of here but now every time I come back Especially in the summer, I'm like, damn, it's I was magic. I was lucky. Yeah. I was lucky. New England yeah. summers are pretty special. There yeah. is really something magical about it. I think I think having kids was what kind of awoken it awoken it for me too, because like there's so much fun stuff for kids. Like when we lived in New York, we live in Pasadena now. But when we lived in New York, we would go. We were always going out there. We'd go to like the 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 Mystic uh, Aquarium. We would go to we would go to Fisher's Island, like like and, and, and like rent a house and and just hang out on the beach. It's just lovely. It's just a lovely place. So. Yeah. We're so glad you had a good time, despite despite yeah, being in quarantine. Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. Um, well, you just did a huge AMA on Reddit, and I know most of those questions were about how I met your mother. Um, so we're just going to direct our fans to that AMA because there's just so much there, and you literally just answered like all the questions yeah. that I think a lot of people are thinking. So we're good. I'm logging off. Uh, I guess we got it. So. Yeah, we're good. See you later, guys. Thank Bye. You. Um, so we're going to try to dig a little deeper and and focus a little more on your awesome new book, The Mutual Friend. Awesome. Um, but we'll start with the with the How I Met Your Mother questions, obviously. Okay, sure. um, Can I just uh, up front, I, 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 we talked at one point, we're talking season six. Is that? Is that yeah, season? yeah. Okay, great. I, yep. I, I love that season and I love talking about it. It's so good. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, So most people who write into us and tell us how much they love the show, they talk about watching it like 20, 30, 100 times over and over and over over again, right? So I'm just wondering for you, what is it about How I Met Your Mother that makes it so bingeable and so comforting for so many people? Oh, wow. That's, uh, I mean... it, it's it's a lot of things all at once. I think it's it's. I, I always think just like starting with the cast. We just got such a great cast. Like the more I've tried to make t- television shows since I Met Your Mother, you realize that like you just you never go five for five like that with like five yeah. amazing just people who like and and like not just that they're talented, but that they're they were all happen to be you know intersecting at just the right moment in all of their careers to do this show at this time in mm-hmm. 2005 like it just uh that was that was the the biggest thunderbolt of the whole thing i think mm-hmm. and also you know craig and i uh, we we really set a few like guiding principles that we stuck to which is like make it about 
make it about love and make it make it a positive show that is hopeful and 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 feeds people's soul like don't don't it was at a time when a lot of comedy was very like very edgy and 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 very like kind of mean there's a lot of mean-spirited comedy and we just sort of said like we we want to we just been on on letterman for five years and not that letterman is a mean guy but there is like that that, that that it's it's a snarky show and it's a very cynical show and we wanted to say like let's do something that's just got no cynicism in it at all and is just purely just about the human condition and 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 and, and sort of aim high in that regard um and we also uh, i'll say another little thing is that we really we stuck to this idea of like don't do topical humor <laughs> like, we really, like we were really i mean just from doing you know, writing for Letterman was four years of like, you open the newspaper and whatever is on the front page of the post, that's what you're doing comedy about. And yeah. so we really, we, we, but then we'd go home and we'd watch episodes of Cheers from 20 years ago and, and love it. And so we sort of like set the goal for ourselves, like, let's make something that 10 years from now, we won't be like, what was that? Was that a reference to something that I'm supposed to know about that, that yeah. I've never forgotten? So uh, yeah, we were trying to really like, we tried to make something timeless. I think timelessness was always like at the forefront of our minds, like anytime we were in the writer's room, like saying yes or no to certain jokes, like even if it makes us laugh, like we tried to be as, as timeless as we could be. That's so smart. Yeah. Just make it more evergreen. Something, yeah. something Kate and I love about the show too, is that we loved it when we watched it when we were younger. And now the older we are, the more we appreciate it in mm -hmm. like different ways and like different scenes resonate with us in different ways. And I think that's been really yeah. cool. Yeah, like as you grow, the show changes mm -hmm. and you, yeah, you appreciate different parts of yeah. it, like pieces that maybe upset you when you were younger, like the ending for some people, you suddenly understand them as yeah. an adult, yeah. right? Because you have more loss in your life and you just sort of understand sometimes things change and they don't go back to the way they were, but you still, you know, have this path forward. So um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's like good, good books and good TV shows and good movies. They, they, what's the expression? It's like, they, 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 they read you as much as you read them, you know, and they, they really like, yeah, like you check in them. Like I, I have a few favorite books that when I check in on them at different, I've checked in on them at different times of my life and, and it's been a completely different experience. So that, that's, awesome. that's very nice to hear. I'm glad that our show. What, what are your favorite books? That, if you would oh, care to share. I mean, I, 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 I'll, I mean, I always, uh, I always say Ulysses and, and I always just, I, I roll my own eyes at myself. I was say, okay, Ulysses. Like, I, I, but I, I, it is like a, a very somewhat secret, not too secret, but like my like secret obsession is, is like that book. And I, I read it all the time. Uh, the, the book I was just thinking of actually was a book called Masters of Atlantis by Charles Portis which is a, a, a great, like, sort of somewhat, I don't want to say he's unknown, because some people, but but it's, it's not like uh, a name that, I mean, I hadn't heard of him when I when I, when I read it. And, like, uh, he's the guy who wrote True Grit, uh, which is also oh, okay. cool. But Masters of Atlantis is this really funny book about, uh, it's about a, um, it's about sort of the, the Masons, but it's like a different, it's like an, an alternate Masons that's, like, mm. called the Nomons. And I remember reading it as a 22 year old and just laughing hysterically at it. And then I just read it again recently and, and found it just very moving and very like, especially it's, it's about this guy uh, over the course of his life, uh, his, his sort of pursuit of like the secrets of this secret society. And, and it's very funny the first time you read it. And then, then I don't know, there's something very sad and sort of like kind of haunting about this person. Just like it, it, it asks big questions about like, 
the things we occupy our brains with and the things mm. we, we the things we, we you know how we almost arbitrarily set like these life goals for ourselves and and keep ourselves busy with them and that uh, sounds like the mutual friend a little bit i mean yeah it's yeah. It's, it's he's a big influence on me so yeah Love it. that's so cool so, yeah masters of atlantis by charles portis i, I recommend that one all right yeah, oh, I've never, yeah i've never heard of that one that's yeah. awesome so not to like toot our own horns but we have had guests on the show. It's not just always us, which is kind of yeah. exciting. But there are people who've worked on the show in different capacities. And everyone always talks about like how special it was to work on the set and to just be a part of that team. And they always give credit to um, you and Craig for creating that environment. Um, and actually, Kate, you'll laugh at me. So I just listened to Armchair Expert. She teases me all the time about it's the that. the only podcast she listens to. Yeah. But they, <laughs> they interviewed... Um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who are writers for How I Met Your Mother, they made a joke about a hanging Chad, and that made me laugh because and they're talking <laughs> about season one. And but they also talked about what a great environment that was, and they mm. felt like they left a little oh. bit too soon because and they loved working. On it. Too soon. I'm glad they said so because we missed yeah. them so much. That was a oh. yeah. It's, I, I was just telling the story about because I, I I remember like the first. It, it we were so used to, and this sort of leads into like why I wrote the book was was uh, we were so used to this pace of like you write a script, it goes on TV, write a script, goes on TV, write a script, goes on TV, and and we were all doing that for the first half of the season, and then Chris and Phil left to go make Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and then for like the next three years, like Craig and I, you know, we just like uh, accumulated this pile of episodes that we'd made, and every time we'd see Chris and Phil at a party. It was just like still working on, still working on cloudy. It's it's coming along. It just felt like, man, this is this is like, uh, you know, it 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 just felt like, what are these guys doing? They're just like just working on this one thing. But then it comes out and it's like incredible, and you right, see yeah. so much. And 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 that's why I loved like, as much as I love like sort of the the, it's almost like like putting on a newspaper, like doing mm. TV. Like I loved like being able to like go off and and hide away and work on something for a long time and then just dump it on the world you know like like this is this represents like a few seasons of a tv show i think like yeah. this book and 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 i sort of liked being able to just like just actually spend time honing something and 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 getting it right before anyone sees any of it mm. so. yeah and I, like when in the ama you talked about how you can't with TV, you can't go back, right? Like you can't go back and fix things or change things even years later. Um, and so that was that was one of our questions is like the difference between writing for TV and writing for mm -hmm. a novel and um, what you were able to do with the novel. But that, I mean, that kind of covers it is, you know, you're able to spend more time on it and really flesh things out. I, I, I took, a, took a detour there saying that. I, I also just feel like, I, I really, um, just to go back to it, like I really, I was very, I mean, I, the thing I miss most about the show is is the crew, and and I I love that we and and I give all the credit to Pam Fryman. I know I've said this. I mean, everyone says this all the time, but Pam set this tone for us, and the thing that she taught us that we learned. And and I, and I don't want to like disparage other places I've worked, but I've worked in the kind of in the version of Hollywood where people yell, where there's mm -hmm. where there's like people, you know, like making someone feel bad about themselves is a tool that you use to get things done. And uh, it, it was so lovely to have a chance to set a tone for our own show where we didn't have that, where it was like, yeah. like just everyone was supported, everyone's encouraged. And, and it feels like, and it's a real collaboration among everyone from, from top to bottom on this, on the, on the set. And, and, and Pam was a big part of that. Pam like really 
Pam and, and Susie Greenberg also were kind of the two, like sort of our, our, our load stars that we sort of guided our way in that way. Well, we can say even years later, people will still remember that set as something yeah. special. So it, yeah, it really nice job, Pam and everybody. Yeah, Seriously. I mean, <laughs> honestly, like the show, you know, people I've heard the complaint and, and I've heard the complaint, like the show went on too many seasons, but like from my perspective, like, even if the show, even if, if, if it was just objectively a terrible last two seasons, like getting two more years of working with that group, it was just, it was worth it for me. I don't know. It was just a, a lovely place to work. And uh, well, speaking of that, um, I was, I was thinking about like the length of shows and the fact that today a show will maybe get three or four seasons tops. Like you rarely ever see a show go as long as how I met your mother did. Um, what are what are the downsides to that? Like, what are, do you think we've lost something in that? Um, I mean, I do because it's it's. Uh, I, I wish more of those existed, and it's hard for them to exist. And and I know that like yeah. part of the it, it's the zero sum game of like you know you get to keep your show on the air for nine years, you're you're keeping someone else's show off the air during that time, mm-hmm. and so I, I I appreciate that and. And I have to, and I have a constant sense of gratitude for having been able to be in that enviable position. Um, but it is like, and this this is fun because this this actually, I, I know that we're going to start talking about season six, and this this leads into some because uh, like what I would say about season six is that it uh, it it was it was a real it was a challenge like like writing something that was such a long story, but it definitely um, yeah there there's there's things that you can do when you when you have nine seasons to work with that actually like it, it's it. Yeah. I do feel like we missed that. I, I feel like I, I'd love to see more of those like shows with like deep seven year callbacks and things like right. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's one. We love, the, we callbacks. love the callbacks. I mean, they, they make the show. Yeah. Um, and another piece of the show that we love obviously is the music. music. And mm-hmm. I, I just, how, how did, how did the music happen on the show? Were you and Craig, really involved in the like the song choices um that were so pivotal because you know they're just like when we when we saw you guys perform in new york i mean when you guys like had like those songs those pivotal moments and i mean they still just just ring so true like so many years later and so just the process of coming up with the music for the show how did how did that work i mean that was i mean that that was the best part of being able to do a show and and the degree to which the show, you know, the show is is this dad sort of telling his kids about this particular time and place mm-hmm. that that's now long gone. And in doing that, there's this there's this desire, like you sort of look at like what's on the screen as kind of this uh, this um, uh, 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 I'm I'm losing the word here. I, I the what what is it? You, you bury it in the ground and then you dig it up a hundred years later. Time capsule. Time capsule. It's a time it's capsule. treasure. <laughs> Treasure. Yeah. Uh, it's a treasure, but it's also a buried treasure. Time capsule, yeah. really. like, I, like like a time capsule, and you want to. Uh, and I, I think <laughs> Craig and I kind of approached the show that way, in that we wanted to like use like we knew like this is this is our shot. Like we're not gonna you know the, these we're not gonna do another nine year series. We're not gonna like you know ha- have this kind of uh, opportunity again. And so there was a feeling of like let's get everything we love all into one show. And a lot of that is in the actors and the, and the actresses that we got to work with. I mean, getting to work with Bob Odenkirk and Chris Elliott 
and Kyle McLaughlin, like are like people who are our heroes that we just like, you know, have, have always like, we really ticked off every box and, and in that regard. And also just the music, like we really loved being able to like, like, like so many, so many of the music choices had, had to do with the thought process of like, what would be a good song here? Oh, Skyway by the replacements. We haven't had a replacement song on the show. We have to have Skyway. Like we have to have, there has to be one replacement song because it's like the most important band to me. They're, they're like my favorite band of all time. And I, and I have to like, I have to get one replacement song at least in there. And I think we did like a couple actually uh, in the end, but, but things like that, like we had to have a pavement song. And so like get, being able to use spit on a stranger in, in season one with, when, when Ted kisses Victoria for the first time, like it was like that it, it all kind of ties together. And now looking back, it is kind of a time capsule because it is like, I watched the show and I remember like, Oh, these are the songs I was listening to at, at that particular time in my life. Like, um, uh, and, and I said this on the, on that Reddit thing, but like, like uh, using um, uh block party at the end of season one, that, it's one of my favorite memories of concert going of, of my many years of concert going was seeing, seeing block party perform at Coachella. And it was this wonderful summer, like after the pilot had gotten picked up, but we hadn't started production yet on, on the first season. So it was just kind of this, like this heady, like glowing, like, Oh my God, this is so exciting. And like Josh and Josh Radner and I had become good friends and, and we went to Coachella together and, you know, he was kind of enjoying this, like, I think last time in his life when he wasn't going to get recognized as much by people. And, and we saw, we saw block party and, and when they played uh, this modern love, which I had never, the first time I heard it was live. Uh, it was like being in church. It was like this like epiphany moment. And just this, this joyful moment of like both of us saying like, we're going to, this song's, this is going to be a song on the show. Cause Josh is like such a huge music fan and is yeah. always, and like it's so fun seeing him like actually now like making music of his own because so much of our our conversation like the foundation of our friendship early on was like just this mutual appreciation of music and and so like that song like we had, I remember like afterwards we just had this moment of like okay we have to use block party it's got to be we got to find the best time to use that song and that song is going to be amazing and 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 it was like that that using it at the end of that season was like so just cathartic yeah. and beautiful and so yeah, like yeah, it's 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 really like I I sort of see I saw all the soundtrack of the show is just this 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 storage facility to put all my favorite things in. Well, and it and it reads like the the nostalgia is there, you know. And I I don't remember who said it, but there was someone who was giving advice about writing and about a book, and they said put it all in the book, like don't save it for something else like put it all in this book. So and that's what you guys did with, with the music and all of the, the stuff that you really wanted. And it, yeah, it shows. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think, I feel like Josh Radner actually told me, I think he attributed this to Tony Kushner, but I, I may be getting this completely wrong, but that this, this, this approach to writing that is like, it's like making a lasagna where you like, like you say, you put it all in there and then just squish it down by 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 like by editing and taking out anything you don't need and squish it down until it's just this very like rich full thing that like has so much in it that you love but it only it's only three inches of of uh yeah. space, you know still digestible even yes exactly. lasagnas are a labor of love yeah <laughs> take so a true. long time to make yeah. sure 
Um, so this question kind of makes me giggle a little bit. So you've talked about how Ted is kind of loosely based on you, especially in like your younger years. Um, is there a real life Clint? A real life Clint? <laughs> I'll tell you, have you guys talked to Craig yet? Has Craig done his? No, episodes? not yet. Oh, ask Craig that question. Okay. All right. We'll one. save that one. I'll, the short answer is yes. Awesome. A real okay. life Clint and yes, yes. And Boy, does, can Craig talk? He'll he'll tell you all about. Okay. Perfect. So we'll have the clear chat with Craig. This is Craig's life, and and uh, he might uh, I, I might get him in trouble by if he if he does say too much. But uh, yeah, it, it's a uh, yeah. We can always cut any. If there's anything you don't want in here, we off, can the, off the off the record. record. No, we'll I'll, I'll we'll be fine. Yeah, but we'll uh, save that no. one. And also, um, by the way, Harry Grainer is another one of those actors that like. It was like at some point I need to work with Harry Grainer, and and I got to do it. I saw him in Crazy for You, uh, a Broadway musical, in like 1989 or 1990, I think. And uh, like I've I've been such a fan of his ever since. And then he ended up on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So good on that. So that that was another one where it's like at some point got to got to check that one off. And I'm yeah, it was so many Buffy crossovers. Yes. By the way, I'm a huge fan. I. I always appreciate them when they pop yeah. up. And that was one also, I just, just yeah, if I can keep going on Clint. Oh my God, oh, please. please. Like, well, because the way Clint began, it was, uh, he, you know, his first episode, I believe, was the uh, the Christmas episode where uh, um, uh, the, the How Lily Stole Christmas, I think. Yes, was the yeah, and Ted doesn't know where to go. Yeah. yeah. And he only had like two lines in the whole thing. And he, was, he showed up in one scene and that was it. And that was a moment... That was uh, uh, it just to like that was uh, tooting my own producer horn. Like there was a that was a moment where everyone told us like, well, don't give, don't you know, let's just get some like some pretty good actor that we can get to to play this part. And I just knew like Clint is going to be such a crucial role, and and Harry Grainer has to play this part. And they were like, really, it's just like two lines, and it's Harry Grainer, and he has you know he was he was pretty in the mood at the time. And uh, we we pushed and pushed for it, and we we're like, Wait, it it absolutely has to be Harry Grainer, and and I'm so glad that we did because then we got you know nine years of great stuff from him. So and, much of Clint. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the when he's like the Native Americans when he's talking <laughs> yeah, on the yeah, phone, yeah. just like so pure stepdad. It was like so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um. All right. So I think we can get into season six. Yeah. I mean, we just have a little bit to talk about with season six. Sure. Um. For me, I'm just wondering. This is a season that really doubles down on the growing up and the growing apart, the harder stuff about life, um, Mm -hmm. losing people we love, obviously, um, which is another big theme in uh, The Mutual Friend. And that going deep and kind of getting dark for, for, I think we've talked about it a lot, is kind of what sets How I Met Your Mother apart from other like friend group sitcoms that are more of surface level. And so um, I guess my big question is why... Why was going dark darker important to you guys? That's a great question. Um, and I, I, yeah, I, it was uh, just to, to to take it to back it up. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you like what got us to season six, which was yeah. so the first few seasons we uh, we, um, uh, we 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 did we 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 always we always set out to to try and write things that that went dark when they needed to go dark and and mm-hmm. and to really like our, our big thing was like let's just be truthful let's just be honest and the truth of our lives was that we do laugh a lot and we have a great time and we have some great adventures but obviously you know it's not all laughs and, and there's 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 hard times and we wanted to like 
do a show that really like felt like you're really seeing all the all the highlights of these lives, the, the good and the bad. Uh, and so we did that for the first four seasons and we, and, and we sort of went, we went somewhat, you know, like moderately dark and like, like a seven on the a seven out of 10, you know, like we, you know, Ted getting left at the altar. Like that was like, that was intense and very sad. And, 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 and Marshall getting left by Lily at the, at the end, you know, in the happiest moment of Ted's life, oh, yeah. uh, Marshall sitting there in the rain, uh, so we that was always a always a priority to us to like let's let's get all of the emotions let's use the whole buffalo, um, and we did that for for four seasons, and then the show and 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 you know it was four really touch and go seasons of like is this show gonna last like every year it was like is the show gonna stick around is the show gonna stick around, um, and then we uh, the show made it through four seasons somehow and went into syndication and we we suddenly it went from being this, this show that we sort of saw as like just this little, like, you know, like we'll have, we'll keep this DVD set around and, and show it to our friends someday. But like, it's not, it's not gonna, it's not, it was never like a huge hit. And then, and then Britney Spears showed up and suddenly like everyone was watching it and it became, it became a hit. Uh, but we, um, uh, in season, at the end of season four, we sort of realized like, Oh, this show is going to be on the show. We, we sort of crossed that Rubicon where instead of worrying like, oh my God, is the show going to last? Is it going to live or die? Like it, it became an asset of such value to the studio and to the network that it reached this place where, okay, you, you made it past 100 episodes, you syndicated, so now you can keep the show on the air as long as you want. Which is a, a you know an amazing thing to happen and, and yeah. something that never happens and and, and it's really like we were one of the last shows that this happened for. And yeah. but when you reach that point, you get to that place where it's like, okay, you can, you can just, it's, it's now a, 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 an asset that is, that is, that has turned a profit and, and, or come close to turning a profit. And so you can, you can keep it on as long as you want. So season five, this is a long explanation to get us to season six. Oh, please. So, so go season, on all the bird walks you'd like. We season four ended. I can't remember where the characters were at the end of season four, but it felt like it, there wasn't like a huge cliffhanger at the end of season four, if I'm remembering correctly. I think Ted and was that the lead Marty, season four? No, was that season that might have been the lead? Oh, I think it was the lead. Yeah, yeah, it was, oh, the, lead. It was the lead. Yeah, never mind. No, Ted became, uh, yeah. Ted became a, uh, a, a a a professor. That, that, yep. that was like the no. big because season yeah. five Oxford. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, sorry, no, sorry. That was. Wait, season five ended with the leap, right? Oh. No, no, no. Season, season four five, ended with the leap, and then season four, five opened with right. Ted. Season yeah. five was doppelgangers. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah, season five ended uh... doppelgangers ending. Okay, all right. Well, let us tell you about your <laughs> show, Carter. <laughs> no, you guys know way better than I do. Just pod splaining, you know? <laughs> yeah, pod splain away. No, it's uh, yeah. Uh, I, I uh, uh, it's so fun. It's fun because it has been long enough that like I watch these shows now and I they don't remember any of the jokes and it's like it's kind of delightful to be able to like see Enjoy it because I really don't yeah. there's so much I don't remember which is it's, yeah it's fun uh but I do remember this uh so season five our approach to season five was we're not anywhere near ready for Ted to meet the mother mm-hmm. we want to like we want to just but this is now going to be a show like instead of being a show that we like watch you know the, the dvd set of now it's going to be a show like seinfeld or cheers where you can be flipping through the channels and you see how i met your mother yeah and so it changed our approach to the show it changed our approach to the show 
where season five, and you can notice this while you're watching season five, we sort of looked at it like like a box of chocolates. It's not like a not like a meal with a with an appetizer and an entree. Da, 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 da. It's yeah. something that you can eat out of order. You can each each one is completely unrelated to the others and has its own distinct taste. And there was a lot of like like I think the cigarette episode was that year and and the fight episode. We did a lot of it. Sort of like focused on one thing, like mm-hmm. fighting, like, like, okay, let's talk about fighting or let's talk about smoking or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and I think rabbit or duck was, there was, there was yeah. so many episodes that I loved that season. Oh, but it, was yeah. like, it was a very low stakes season. Mm-hmm. A lot of like, sort of like just kind of floating from episode to episode, filling out the, you know, like, let's do these. This is our time when we're going to be able to do these kind of episodes. So let's do these kind of episodes. Mm-hmm. That's what season five was. At the end of season five, I think Craig and I just like, we, we had eaten the whole box of chocolates and there was, we, we had little tummy aches and we were just rubbing our tummies. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, uh, I think we felt like, okay, we did that. We, we're still not ready for Ted to meet the mom, but it is time to start thinking about the series. Like we're at the, we're, we've, we felt like season five, we're at the top of the mountain. It's time yeah. to start coming down the mountain. And mm-hmm. how do we get down the mountain? What are we heading towards? Like we sort of knew we had an idea, but we didn't really know. And there was sort of this awareness that like, we know that if we know that we can decide there's three more seasons of the show. And, and, and at the time, that's what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be mm-hmm. six, seven, eight, and then we're done. If we know there's three more seasons, we can, we have the luxury of being able to plan and do all the fun stuff of setting little traps and 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 setting up things that we know how they're going to pay off, yeah. And that was what gave birth to the the uh, the bookends of the season of season six of starting the season with we're at a wedding, and it's and somebody's getting married. Yeah. Someone's Someone. wedding, yeah. yeah. And 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 as soon as we we sort of locked into that, we realized like, oh my god, that's going to be so that's going to be the the wraparound for the next three seasons, and we're going to see like and and then. Then everything kind of fell into place. We were like, okay, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, Ted, it's gonna be Barney and Robin getting married, and Ted's gonna meet the mom at at the wedding. We sort of like we we figured that out. We figured out like she's a wedding guest or she's someone there. But that's like the important thing about that moment is not that Ted gets married, but that he's gonna meet his future wife at this wedding. And then like all the other you know the things about like oh she's you know we we set out early on that he wants to marry a girl who plays bass. Mm-hmm. Let's actually let's let's pay that off and like have her be a bass player. Okay, she's in the band at the wedding, and all all everything sort of filled in from there. Um, and so we we sort of knew like, and this and I I remember just the joy of like Craig and I like coming up with this because it really was it really felt like we had like forgotten that we're telling a big story and like being able to like suddenly like dive into it and say like okay let's let's put this up on the board and like let's see how this would unfold over the next three seasons which was tremendous fun and you're like knowing like the end of this season the end of season six we're finding out it's barney's wedding and the end of season seven we find out it's robin's wedding so it's like oh okay so that means season seven is going to be the question of who's barney marrying and that's going to be fun to explore and we're going to have a lot of fun with season seven doing that Mm -hmm. uh but uh yeah so that that was that that was sort of like that set the like we had suddenly the the tent poles of uh, uh, the, uh the two closed pins in the line of of season 6 like it starts with Ted's at the wedding he's 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 nervous we don't know whose wedding it is and it ends with it's Barney's wedding 
So then it was like about filling in like what happens in the 24 episodes in between that. Um, I had, and now I'm going to get really like, uh, I'm, I'm going to get nerdy uh, for a second. Please, we're here for it. Please, yes. and tell me if I'm being too long winded because this no! is. No, you have a captive audience. This is, like, this right. is your I time. So there's no like, we're not, we don't have to like cut away for a commercial. Like, no, no. Nope. You know, nope. Someone's not going to come in and, and and take over in a half hour. So we. Nope. No. Nope. I told my husband, we are... son, quiet, leave us alone, no noises. Oh, uh, we are low budget. We are self produced. Yes. Go yeah. for it. Yes. My son's playing his Nintendo yeah. Switch right now, and he'll he's, absolutely he's, he's, he's yeah. in high rule fighting Ganon. So. I'll, I'll... <laughs> uh, but uh, okay, so I had just read uh, the book. Um, Brideshead Revisited. My wife is a big Brideshead Revisited fan. She loved like the BBC series and she loved the book and she got me into the book. Like she had the book lying around. I thought, oh, I'm going to read this. And I read it. It's a great book. Uh, and Brideshead Revisited, it starts with this uh, uh, epigram, epigraph. I can't remember the word for it, but like, you know, it's like a little like little quote at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. And it says, uh, uh, it's, 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 it's a quote in Latin. And the quote is, et in Arcadia ego. You know, I didn't take Latin in school. And so I was like, oh, et in Arcadia ego. Let me, I wonder what that means. And that led me down this, like, this Wikipedia rabbit hole one night. And I learned that that's the name of a, of a painting. It's a very famous painting by Nicolas Poussin, uh, a French painter. Uh, it's called, it's called the Arcadian Shepherds. And it's these mm. shepherds who are like just out in the countryside, having fun, playing their lutes or whatever, and having, drinking some wine and, and, you know, just having a good time. And in the middle of the painting, there's a little uh, 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 gravestone that says, et in Arcadia ego. Mm. And, and uh, I, I looked it up and et in Arcadia ego in Latin means, I, I, and I might be translating this somewhat wrong, but it's something to the effect of, I was once also an Arcadian. Mm. The idea being like, hey, you shepherds who are having fun, and having this light, wonderful afternoon, I was exactly like you, and now I'm six feet under in this grave. Wow! And 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 it's uh, and that that led me down this this Wikipedia. I, I had never I was an English major in college, but I never learned any of this stuff. Uh, 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 but then that led me to this to like that that this painting represented a style of a type of art called a, a memento mori, a, a reminder that you're going to die. Which is like it's it's a type of a type of artwork, uh, and and sort of showing a a, a a a piece of art that somehow shows the light and the dark of life all at once, and shows that it's two sides of the same coin, the 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 the, the joy that we're here and we get to be alive, and the 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 reality that this will all end someday. Uh, I read all of that, and I just like I I just felt like I want to do one of those. I want to do like I want to do season six. And and then and I told Craig about this, and he and he immediately started having a million ideas, and was like, "Yes, okay, we're gonna do that." So season six, it was like, "Okay, season six is our memento mori season. It's gonna cool. be, and we're gonna see the light and the dark. We're gonna see the the high and the low, the 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 the, the two sides of the coin, life and death. And and we we sort of knew like the things we started with on on the big board. In addition to like you know, it starts at the wedding and ends at the wedding. We knew there is going to be a death and there's going to be a new life. And so we knew like, and, and, and we had already established Bill Fagerbake as, as, as Marshall's dad. And we loved him. And we thought like, I mean, and, and we sort of thought like, God, if Marshall lost him, that would be devastating. Yeah. 
Yeah. That would be the that's, lowest. That's a 10. That's a 10. That's a 10 on the dark. That, that would be, yeah. That's, and, and, and people on our staff had, had lost their, had lost parents at this point and, 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 and everyone had a story to tell about. And that's the most important thing for us is like, what can we, how can, what can we use, how can we use the show to like talk about things in our own lives? And this is something that a, a number of our writers had experienced and had gone through. And then like, but then we also thought like at the, at the other end of that spectrum, we know that Marshall and Lily want to have a baby. So let's end the season with, they're going to have a baby. A new life is, 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 is coming. And, and so once we knew like, wow, that like, it, it sort of, it gives me chills just thinking about it now. Cause it is like, like, uh, you know, it, 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 it was, it was a very heady season to be writing. Cause we knew like, okay, we're, we're really going to, be aware of the fact that we are going as we are headed to a place that is going to be as dark as the show has ever gone or ever will go. And then we are heading to like the happiest ending we could possibly have, uh, you know, at the, at the, at the end of it where Marshall and Lily finally get this thing that they've wanted. And, and, um, and yeah, everything else filled out from there. And, 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 and now that I've just told that whole story, like things like the Arcadian is the name of the, is the name of the bill. That's a reference to that. There's, a, I, I believe, in fact, I think uh, in the first episode, um, uh, oh, what's the actress's name? I, I'm, I'm blank. I think Rachel is the name of the character, but uh, uh, I'm blanking on, on this actress's name. The actress uh, sitting at the bar when Barney in, in the first episode, I think, uh, am I remembering this right? The, the, she's uh, the girl from the OC. What's her name? Oh, Rachel, Rachel Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cindy. Cindy. Yeah. Cindy. Not, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rachel's, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, uh, Rachel's her real name. Yes. Uh, but she's reading a book, and the book she's reading is Brideshead Revisited. Oh, like, that's right. Yes. Yes. It's all like my like little way to like, okay, I'm going to. So and, cool. And I love it. Really, yeah. But uh, yeah. So that was, uh, that's the, that's the story of how season six came to, to came to be. So that. Thank you so much, Carter. For that interview, um, I still can't handle that it happened. Like for days afterwards, you know, days. It's only it hasn't really been that long. It's been a <sighs> week. But Chris was like, "Yo, you did that! Like, it's really did that." Yeah, and if you haven't gotten his book yet, it's the Mutual Friend. It's incredible. It's intricate. It's funny. It's touching. It's 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 everything you love about How I Met Your Mother and a lot more. Yeah, so like a um, range of emotions, like. Yeah. Like I said, I said to Kate, I was like, uh, I finished the book and I was just like gutted. Like I just was yeah. sad it was over. It made me feel super emotional, especially towards the end of it. And just like yeah. all the things, there's darkness in there. There's lightness in there. There's joy. It's just. It's a one. It truly is a wonderful book. Um, and we are just so grateful that uh, Carter spent so much time with us. Yeah. And uh Yeah. Catch the second half of the interview next week or mm-hmm. next episode. So in two weeks. Yeah. Unless you're a pa- uh, patron, then you can enjoy the full episode. The whole thing right now. Yeah. All right. So back on the subway, Lily heads down and so does Robin. And, um, you know, they're just like one subway car away from each other. And Robin's sitting there and some guy's like giving her eyes, giving her face, you know, (laughs) and she's kind of like, and she looks behind her and it's a poster and there's Becky's big ass face. And she just like goes into a rage and starts clawing at the poster, ripping it down. And of course, when she does that, what's underneath 
a poster of her and Don. And then she just starts to cry and she's like crying on the subway. So again, one of those other New Yorker things. And then she tells everyone, I think she's like bite it or something like that. Bite me. Yeah. Bite me. Yeah. And so that's the other piece of like, her not caring about it. So she didn't give a damn. And I saw this that said that the, the font used every time like Robin, like checked one of those boxes, the font is called um, New Yorker. So I didn't check that. It was like a Google light search, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it tracks, you know, they would. Yeah. Um, So yeah. So she's just like crying. She's all upset. Um, Lily's also on the subway and she's about to get off. Um, and then she sees Robin who's upset. And so she comes Mm -hmm. in and she has a heart to heart with her and she's telling Robin is, you know, again, confiding in Lily about how she feels like maybe this isn't a place for her. She's, you know, really just kind of done with the city and that's, she really needed this win and she was hoping that it would kind of turn things around. And Lily kind of convinces her that like, you can't leave because if you leave, then I'm going to leave. And, you know, we love you and you have to stay and all of that. And as she's talking, there's an announcement. And then Lily realizes that they're on the wrong train. So she gets off. And as the doors close, you see this like other side of Lily, this competitive streak. And she tells Robin, she's like, I'm, I'll be there for you. Like I promise sweetie, but like after this contest, but you're on the wrong train. So suck it. And then the doors yeah. open again. <laughs> Lily does not know the train as well as she thinks. Cause mm-hmm. all day long she's been failing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know. Um, <laughs> so let's see where is well they both get off and then she calls and then she makes a call another mysterious call that she needs she needs some help so Mm -hmm. and then we see barney on a pedicab and it turns out barney doesn't need a win at all uh even less than ted needs a win he's just got all these awesome things going on he smells amazing he has an amazing poker group with woody allen we find out um I, too, have an amazing poker group. That's right. <laughs> With Mr. Richard Greenleaf himself. I can't even believe that. Just so fun. Um, so, yeah. So, Barney doesn't need a win. Uh, and then we cut to Ted and Marshall, who are walking together since Ted has got, gotten off the bus. And Marshall passes out. And this is – this. I think this is my legendary moment. It's, he wakes up with the calculator hey, buddy, guy in his face. Buddy. Hey, buddy. Wake up. <laughs> He's like, the machines have won. The machines of what? He's so scared. And I love it because like seeing somebody in a calculator costume in New York City is not un- like something like that right. just would happen. And the fact that it's a machine, the fact that Marshall Pat, like it's just so good. Yeah. It's very like Planet of the Apes. It feels yeah. like, right? <laughs> so it turns out Marshall, we finally find out why Marshall needs a win. Uh, he is also stressed out about the baby stuff yeah. and he feels like his body has been failing him, which is just adorable after trying mm-hmm. for two months. Um, but of course, he and Lily have not talked to each other about this. They're just both feeling bad on their own and assuming the other person isn't feeling bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they really need to talk about it. And, you know, Ted's like, you've only been trying for two months. God, get over it. And then Marshall's like, okay, well, you only have one bad review. So, yeah, so- And it's like mediocre, not even bad. And you're designing a building. So you also don't need this win. So we're kind of slowly finding out that most people, just about everyone besides Robin, doesn't really need this win. Yeah. And then Lily pulls up with with Ranjit Mm. and grabs Marshall into the cab. Um, And at this point now, 
Bernie has gotten a pedicab and the person who's pedaling is going too slow. So he <laughs> makes the man switch with him, that person, then they get in the back and then Barney starts pedaling, 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 pedaling. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, he needs this win. He's got to, he's got to, he's got to win. And eventually he gets to this point and it's Robin Ted and Barney and they're all running together and you and mm-hmm. you had said this I think during the live watch like watching the actors run yeah <laughs> yeah that's true this is uh, this whole episode is a lot of theater kids running right it's like these are not athletes yeah and I always just think about that when when I see actors running in any context it's like they're running in molasses a lot of times they yeah. just they just don't have it they just don't have it the the athleticness that you might see in like someone who actually does who, who actually has run before. Yeah. It's a lot of arm pumping <laughs> and not a lot of forward motion. Although Robin, Robin flies. Robin goes pretty fast. She does. Uh, but like Ted. <laughs> not so much. Yeah. Not yeah, so yeah, much. yeah. Not so much. <laughs> right. Just, um, just theater kids and exercise, you know? Yeah. So as they're sprinting, Ted and then Barney fall down and then Robin is able to then get to the restaurant first. And she is elated. Like, oh my God, I can't believe this. How did this even happen? Oh my Mm -hmm. God. And then future Ted tells us, well, this is how I think it all really went down. And so um, he says that as they're running, he realizes that Barney was looking at Robin's face and mm-hmm. noticing that she had recently been crying, similar to the very beginning of the episode when Barney's looking at the the woman at the bar. And even though Barney would deny it, he Ted says he swears he felt Barney tackle him from behind. <laughs> and yeah. when Barney or when Robin realizes she won, he swears Barney smiled a little bit. And I went back so to watch sweet. like the original version of it. And like you can't see any of like the cuts of that, but like but you see Ted like looking at Barney. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you don't see Barney's face. That's what I was like looking right. for more specifically. Um, yeah. Which just perfect, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. I love this guy well Barney done. so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Like he he just shows his love through action. You know? Yeah, and like in not, and what I think is interesting too is that Barney. I mean, he does like magic. Like he's all about like the show and all this. Mm. But when he does like the good things, he doesn't want you to know about it. Like he's yeah, always very, like very selfless and secret. Yeah, and that, and that to me just makes it all the more like touching in that way. Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So turns out that maybe New York City might have been rejecting Robin a little bit, but the people who love her want her to stay. Oh, you know? and it's really the friends it's that make friends New York that what make it is. It. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, in the cat, or I mean, like, Barney's also a New Yorker, right? Like Staten oh, Island, yeah. but well, still, yeah. I just realized, like, but Lily isn't the only one that's a. You're right. You're right. Yorker. I yeah. never even put that together. Well, it's Staten Island, but yeah. Sure. Anyway, back to back to the the, car the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. in the cab, it's Lily and Marshall and Ranji, and they and they're still going hard because at this you know playing with time and all that they haven't the contest isn't quite over, and so they um, both kind of realize that they've been trying to be very confident and positive for the other one, but they haven't really talked about like how they're really truly feeling um, yeah. and how. 
um, you know, they're both, they're both have been a little bit worried. They both have been a little bit nervous, but then like Marsh, Ted had pointed out to Marshall, like they've only been trying for two months and they talk about this idea of like the cradle list and all the things that they still have left to do before they have a baby. And when they get pregnant and when, you know, when Lily's pregnant, that's going to be awesome and amazing and they're going to love it, but they want to enjoy all the bits leading up to it because they're not going to be able to do all these fun child-free things anymore in the same way that they were able to. And like that same sort of like carefree, nothing looming over your head kind of mentality. Uh, And so they start talking about all the different things that they haven't been ready, haven't done yet. Um, And they decide that fuck the contest. They're going to start checking things off that cradle list and they're going to go to Coney Island. And so they tell Ranjit um, to go to Coney Island. I don't, I forgot. I don't think I said it, but like Marshall in the beginning, he's like, Lily, like you were ready to run Ted over. Like in like, right, he was yeah. telling Ranjit to like hit them so she could yes, win yes. this fucking contest to prove she's a real New Yorker. Like it really had like warped her yeah. needing that win. But re- like mm-hmm. you said, we come to realize nobody really needs the win because Marshall and Lily have each other, you know, to like right. kind of fall back on in this hard times. And they, yeah. and they have that. Whereas, you know, Robin did need the win. Robin needed it yeah. more than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, so then we cut to the restaurant, and it turns out Woody Allen was actually Maury Povich this whole time. So somehow, <laughs> Maury Povich is just magic. We're not going to get into the logistics of how he was both at the restaurant and everywhere else and in New every York at the same other time. Scene, walking every a dog scene. with the Xbox, sitting on the bus, on the subway. Yep. Yeah, so Love he's it. everywhere and also here, uh, which – you know, means that Robin still hasn't seen Woody Allen and we find out she will see him in a few months, but she does kill a cockroach with her bare hand. And she's also on a date. Yeah. Like she, it seems like she's now on a date with this Max guy. Yeah. Um, And enjoying herself and being like, yes, you know, and she has this huge New York story to tell. Right. So she's telling Max about the day and just having, Having a really good day, which she really needed. Um, and future Ted tells us that there was only one winner technically, but everyone everyone got what they needed that day. Yeah. So it's a good, sweet little bottle episode. A lot it of fun. Is. Um, it's you know one of those episodes that you can kind of drop in almost anywhere, but it kind of needed to hinge on, well, they made it hinge on Robin needing the win, right? Yeah, and I so, think, like, whoever needed the win, like, they could have, like, manipulated the storyline to fit it, but it, it's... Yeah. I love it. It's just it. a good... It's a good one. It's, it it's definitely a it's top favorite fun. for me. It's yeah. so fun. It's so fast, too. Yeah, totally. It's a great one. All right, so we have 11 legendary moments, so let's burn through these, baby. Uh, I'll get us started here. The first one is from Helena, and Helena says, "Hey K and K, this is a great this is great as a filler episode. Doesn't really move the plot forward a whole lot, but it's fun. I think my favorite part of this episode is Lily telling Ranji to run over Ted, <laughs> and then realizing how wrapped up she was in winning this race so much that she left my best friend when she needed me. And then Marshall goes, "Sweetie, you were also going to run over Ted." <laughs> Peak comedy. I also feel so bad for Ted this episode. I would love if I sat on a bus next to someone who knew about history and architecture while we were riding around the city. Thanks, ladies. Helena. Well, you're welcome to come to New York and be the crazy person 
listening to the crazy person on the bus. Yeah, I'd say it'd be one thing if you signed up for it or you knew that person talking or like right. welcomed right. it. I don't know how I feel about like just it's <sighs> a lot. <laughs> but I feel like Kate, you and I I know I for sure have something written on my forehead that says, please talk to me. I feel oh, like people absolutely. just talk to us. So like yes, we would yes. just be like huh, huh, cool, great, cool, great, great, great. Anyway, next up is Kalpesh. Kalpesh says, hey, girls, it's a legendary episode. It goes by like a subway train. It is so mm. many, many moments to remember. Barney with his fake heart attack. Robin screaming at strangers. Lily is overconfident about her ability to decipher passenger announcements. And Ted, well, I might have forwarded his part. So dull. Kidding. <laughs> Um, however, the legendary moment for me goes to my man, Marshall. I often use this song to motivate myself during my workout. Marshall versus the machine. Legendary song. Thank you. Call Pesh. Good one. Yes. Next up is Becky. Not Ooh. to be confused with Becky. new co-anchor Becky. Uh, and Becky says, my legendary moment is Marshall versus, Marshall versus the machines. When I am trying to do something technology related, I always find myself singing this song to myself. Thanks, Becky. Love it. Next is Lisa. Lisa says, hi, ladies. Let me start off by saying this one. This is one of my favorite episodes, and I sure, I'm sure I'm not alone. There are so many excellent moments, so it's hard to narrow down to just one. Lily speaking conductor, Marshall versus machines, Barney scheming, Ted being the annoying guy on the bus, Robin becoming a real New Yorker, Maury. Great ensemble episode. But as your <laughs> resident Swarple stan, my legendary moment is Barney letting Robin win after hearing about her rough time recently. That smile. Have a great week. P.S. Woody Allen, yikes. Yeah, yeah. Definitely yeah. Uh, something that could lift right out, you know? Um, all right, next up is Carlin. And Carlin says, hi, K&K. I am so thankful to be a Patreon member because I have three Legmos. Third favorite is Boats, Boats, Boats. Becky. <laughs> also, I love how Becky and another major nautical-themed character are introduced in the same season. Mm -hmm. Oh, Yeah. I've rewatched this series like 10 times and just made that connection. Second favorite is Marshall versus the Machines. Classic song, not to mention one of the only songs that gets a season nine callback. Yep. And mm. top legmo is guest star appearance by Jeff Schultz. Not only do I love him from his time on Seventh Heaven, but he and I are also fellow alums of Whittier College. Go Poets. Mm. Where was he? I'm not sure. Let me. Jeff Schultz. Uh, Max. Oh. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, yeah, he was on Seventh Heaven. Um, yeah, we, we'll talk more about Jeff Schultz later because <laughs> there is another Max episode. Uh, go Poets. All right, I hope this summer you can find time for building sandcastles in the sand. Love, Carlin. Thank you, Carlin. So good. Uh, next is Tish and Tish writes, this is such a good episode. I love seeing Ted's laptop in the bar. It's such a reference to a very specific time period. I feel like nobody brings their laptop yes, anymore. It's so usually true. Phone, maybe an iPad, but no laptops, right? No laptops. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're like doing work, but yeah, but it's so, yeah. I was actually it's talking so about this funny. the other day. Also, no digital cameras. Like, no. My friend at her bachelorette party 10 years ago, I in like the group text or email, I said, all right, girls, don't forget to charge your camera, digital cameras. <sighs> and someone said, nobody uses digital cameras anymore, Caitlin. Charge your fucking phone. I was just like, wow. Cool. The moment things changed. Cool. I was just like, wow. All right. Yeah. Holy shit. 
I also love that we have an Arcadian Arcadian ref, bleh, reference, but no spoilers. I'm honestly surprised that Cook Poo didn't write to had a terrible review on that site. He was a terrible <laughs> professor to her. It's so sure. hard to pick a legendary moment, but I think I got to give it to Robin's friends and how they all love her so much that and we're willing to give up just so she can have a bit of joy. P.S. I'm going to New York this week and hopefully I'll go to Mickey's Pub. Regards, Yay. Tish. Yay! Yeah. Tish, you got to let us know if you went. Yes, please. Okay, next up is Rick, and Rick says, Hi, ladies. I always love NYC specifics and Himium, so my ledge mode this time is all the subway scenes. The scenes on the streets of Manhattan throughout the show are uh, less than accurate, <laughs> but the dingy subway car and barely comprehensible conductor announcement, chef's kiss. Lily's conductor <laughs> translation got a laugh out of me. Did anyone else notice how Ted used his sleek yet affordable Windows laptop to open Internet Explorer to use America's favorite search engine, Bing, Bing Maps, oh. to find his way downtown? So true. So Product good. placement for the win. Yeah, let me just bing about this. There was actually a lot. That was something that was on about like, you know, outside references for this episode. There was a lot. There was Bing. There was Xbox. There was a lot of like Microsoft kind of thing. Yeah, they probably sponsored the episode and yeah. did a bunch of product pr- placement, yeah. yeah. Next is Reb- Rebecca. Rebecca writes, mm-hmm. lots of good moments in this episode, but my favorite is Marshall's versus the machine. Also, always good to see Ranjit again. Love Ranjit. Yeah, same. Okay, next up is Adam, and Adam says, who doesn't love this episode? It's so fun. I laughed so hard I cried the first time I watched it. This episode is amazeballs. Has anyone ever done a race like this? I swear if we ever do a meetup in New York as the HB family, we need to do this. It would be so fun. Oh, I don't know if any of us, except for Beth probably, Beth know could- the city well enough to do it. Uh, but anyway, my legendary moment is when Barney fakes a heart attack to try to beat everyone. It's something I would try, and I love how it immediately backfires. Till next time, my friends, your friend, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Adam. Next is Avner. Avner writes, Shalom K&K. What an incredible episode this is. My ledgemo goes to the Mori Povich, Povich runner. Without a doubt, just can't get enough of the silly nonsense Himyam regularly incorporates into the episodes. And this one is a prime example. For many more episodes as legendary as this one. Have a great weekend, Avner. Thank you, Abner. And last but not least, we have Robert. uh, And Robert is one of our newer Patreon pals. Hi, K&K. I don't even know where to begin, so I'll start by saying thank you so much for all you do. Aw. Your podcast has given me hours upon hours of entertainment. I'm jumping ahead of my listening binge to send you a legmo for Subway Wars. I'm only on... Season four, episode 23, as fast as she can. Great episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to catch up as fast as I can. Aww. Also, you also you keep making Rachel's cookies sound so good that I used your promo and ordered my first batch. Oh, that's great. Can't wait to try them. Too many legendary moments in this episode, but if I had to narrow it down to my favorite, it's when Lily is concerned about not getting pregnant and starts spiraling and enter little Marshall to kick her while she's down <laughs> and to end it by saying, also, my mom hates you. <laughs> So good. Uh, Leading Lily to pee on little Marshall. So amazing. Runner-ups are also Lily moments when she dramatically jumps on the train and realizes there's plenty of time. And when she exits the train leaving Robin and fails at gloating. Bring it in. Thanks again. (laughs) Stay legendary, Robert. Thanks, Robert. And thank Thank you, you. everybody else. Uh, Caitlin, what is your ledge mail from Subway Wars? Um, I love good guy Barney. That Hmm. or... I love Maury Povich and Marshall versus the machine. That's hard for me to choose. Because like so Maury and Marshall are like the silliness pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Can yeah, you narrow any of, it down or do you yeah, want just all any three? Any of those. Any of those. I'll Top take. three. That's totally yeah, fine. Yeah, that's all I can do today. For me, it's it's Marshall versus the machines, but specifically the, the machines of one. Because <laughs> I say that all the time. So, uh, yeah, that's that's going to do it for us. Thank you again to Carter Bays. Uh, oh, my God. Loved the first half of the interview. You're going to love the second half. Mm-hmm. It focuses a lot on his book. Um, and we will see you all next time for the second half of that interview, as well as Architect of Destruction, which right now I don't really remember what that episode is about. But I think, is it the introduction of yeah. Yeah. our favorite oh, it's- hat wearer? Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, I cool. just hate the, the fucking hats. Yeah, the it's fucking- the hats, guys. We'll get into the hats. We've got plenty of time for that. See Thank you, hate? everyone, for listening. Um, send your legendary moments for Architect of Destruction to heybeautifulpodcast at gmail.com. As Caitlin always reminds you, make sure you put the name of the episode in the title of your email. If you loved this recap, please leave us an Apple Podcast review so more Himium lovers will find the show. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen, and we hope you'll come back next episode. Because it's going to be legend. Wait for it. This has been Hey Beautiful with your hosts, Kate Gordon and Caitlin Turner. Our intro-outro music is by Owl All. Bye.